In today's show, we're talking about sleepers for Dynasty Leagues. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lord and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball, on TikTok at redrock underscore b-ball, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. We're here to talk Dynasty Sleepers. I will give you a heads up. I am currently away. I'm currently over in uh, Vegas watching NBA Summer League. I'm recording this on June the 29th, so before free agency. So some of the things that I say here might be different. Trades might have happened. Players might have broken out at Summer League. And you'd be like, of course, Josh, this doesn't make sense. Wow. Yeah, as as if you don't know that one. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get some stuff that comes out for the couple of weeks of the year that I am away from the studio and just get some stuff that's relatively evergreen, even though there will be some changes to this stuff. And if you have comments about that, about the changes or things that may have happened, drop them in the comments. I'll be checking the comments while I'm away, and we can respond and discuss it in there as well over on YouTube or over on Twitter. In saying that, I think we're relatively safe. Relatively. I think we're relatively safe on some of these guys. And just talking about players that are a little bit under the radar, who I do think if we're looking towards the future, might be interesting guys to take a look at. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> all right, all right. So let's talk about some players. And this is a guy that I'm pretty interested in. His name is Peyton Watson. He plays for the Denver Nuggets. He was the 30th pick in the draft last year. He averaged three points a game at UCLA as a freshman and really struggled after being a high-profile uh, high school recruit coming in. He only played 23 games for the Nuggets this season. He only played eight minutes a night and scored three points per game. That's not particularly exciting. He did, though, at the end of the season, play a six-game run where he played minimum 17 minutes a night. And he blocked in those games two shots, three shots, one shot, zero shots, three shots, one shot. He averaged. Well, he got five, eight, and 10, three, six, and 13 points. He shot okay. He just shows an ability at six foot seven, six foot eight, to be a. Now I know you'll see some fantasy sites will list him as a small forward. He, he's not. He's a power forward, um, small ball center sort of a guy. Maybe he can play the wing at times, but he's an interesting defensive player who eventually will replace uh, Jeff Green in this rotation. Uh, might even get back up center minutes next season. The Nuggets are very high on him. And when we're talking dynasty sleepers, we go, well, there's Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. there who play the forward spots. And there's a bloke by the name of Big Chungus who plays center. So where does Watson get the minutes? When we're talking dynasty, we're not talking about what are you going to do this week? What are you going to do this year? What happens over the next seven years? And these sort of players find a way who... uh, uh, That's not true. Players that you try and take that flyer on because if they become good, the opportunity comes. It either comes through Michael Porter Jr. getting hurt, knock on wood, uh, Aaron Gordon dropping off, Peyton Watson being acquired in a trade, Aaron Gordon being traded away because Peyton Watson's ready. And if he's not good, then those things don't happen. 
it's very, very rare that a player who is good never gets the chance to show that because of situations to do with the roster and guys that are there in front of them. That's why someone asked me like about the Jazz acquiring John Collins. And again, stuff might have happened in the interim since then uh, about what they do. They go, what does this knock your ranking of Taylor Hendricks down for Dynasty? Not really. No, it doesn't because they invested a good pick in Hendricks, top 10 pick. I think Hendricks is going to be good. And at some point, it's gonna the opportunity is going to be there that he will overtake John Collins. He will be traded to another team or he will, whatever. Something will happen that will enable him to get onto the court if he is good enough to do it. And I believe he is good enough to do it. So therefore, my valuation of him doesn't really change, even though the path to minutes and production early on is not there. And that's the same with Watson. I think he's got a chance at a larger role, whether he takes minutes from Jeff Green or he gets the backup center minutes that were a rotating circus between Zeke Nagy, DeAndre Jordan, and Thomas Bryant at times. I just think that there's enough talent here to bet on. I haven't even talked about what he did during the G League season, where that's where the majority of the time um, that Peyton Watson spent was in the G League. And the numbers are pretty bloody good. 20 points, a three, seven rebounds, three assists, 1.4 steals, and 1.5 blocks. 29 usage, 57% true shooting. Significantly better than anything that he did at UCLA. They're, just, they're really good numbers. Now, he didn't shoot the three particularly well. In, in fact, he shot it terribly, 25%, and that's going to be a concern. But he was still able to generate a 57 almost percent true shooting. Um, and he hit his free throws at 81% on almost four attempts per game. And he did what you want someone to do, dominate the G League. At age 19, he's just turned 20. There's a lot here. This is, again, we're talking three years in the future maybe. But I think there is maybe one to two years of top, let's say top 80 fantasy value. Maybe never top 50. But he's at least going to be a top 100 sort of a player in a few years' time, whether it lasts a long time or not. But it's just a guy that, look, you look at his numbers, this year he didn't play. And there'll be smart people who are on top of that for sure. But also I think that the valuation of Watson is or should be higher than what it currently is. He only played 186 minutes last season. So I do think there is a little bit of an opportunity to maybe go in and get him at the time now because... Look, he might blow up at Summer League. He might be a rotation player next season. And that opportunity to get him for a cheaper price is done. And he's 20. Like, he's the same age as Brandon Miller, the same age as the Thompsons. He's very, very young. And there's plenty of opportunities still for him to improve and grow. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time that you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Broncos country, let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions apply. I'm not going to do any rookies on this show because we're going to talk about more of the rookies and dynasty rookie rankings again, 3.0 after summer league. When I come back, so there's no rookies on this sleeper list. Just be, be aware of that. Let's go to Boston. 
this guy might be gaining a little bit of steam. He is older. He's 25, and that's Peyton Pritchard. But because they have dealt away Marcus Smart, and there is an injury and age concern with Malcolm Brogdon, Pritchard is in either a position where he gets dealt to another team, or he has to take on a decent rotation role this season for Boston. Now, his numbers this year aren't they're not staggeringly good because he didn't play that much, about 12, 13 minutes a game. He averaged five and a half points. He hit a three a game, 1.3 trip, uh, 1.3 assist, almost two uh, rebounds, 54-2 shooting, 20 usage. I'm not saying that Pritchard is a future star or anything like that, but White's a bit older. Brogdon's obviously older. And Pritchard, yeah, he's, tw- he's 25, but in two to three years' time, maybe he is a 26, 27-minute-a-night player. Based on what happened with him last season, the value is down. There is an opportunity there with Smart out or him moving to another team. I just wouldn't be ruling him out of being a viable, somewhat viable NBA rotation player. And that's sort of what we're looking to do in Dynasty. You're wanting to get these guys before the opportunity arises or before the numbers start to pile up. And I don't think the price of Peyton Pritchard at this point, a very heavily dominated Peyton show at the moment, I don't think the value of Peyton Pritchard is at a spot where you have to pay exorbitant prices because he's not going to start this season. He's probably still going to be the third string point guard and you know, maybe backup shooting guard sort of a player. But I would expect that he gets maybe, could he double those numbers that he hit, had last year? Eh. 10 points, two threes, three and a half assists, four rebounds, 0.6 steals, maybe. That's I don't think that's crazy. And then he, I think he can peak at like 15, three triples, Five rebounds, five assists. Maybe he can peak at that. Maybe. Still not a high chance that he gets there. But in a situation where he was buried, some things opening up, getting close to his peak in terms of NBA production, he's a name that I would be watching a little bit. I am a little bit more bullish on this guy. And it goes back to our initial discussion early on about how you value Dynasty. Jaden Hardy. An absolute steal, I think, for the Mavs in the draft. Struggled somewhat in the G League Ignite program with some efficiency issues, as some of those guys do. Scoot Henderson didn't have the greatest efficiency. CD Sissoko. And they fell. Scoot fell that one pick, I think. And Sissoko fell 20 spots. Leonard Miller fell 20 spots. And I think Hardy fell maybe 30 spots. Maybe not 30, but 20 at least. He's 21. He played a decent sample across the NBA and in the G League. In the NBA, he averaged almost nine points with 1.3 triples, 57 true shooting on 25 usage, one and a half assists per game. In the G League, and this is not one game sample, he played 11 games in the G League and had a true shooting of 78%. That's actually bonkers on 30 usage. He averaged 29 points over four threes, four and a half rebounds, four assists, 0.8 steals, 0.7 blocks. I love that he played the whole year in the G League the year before that for the Ignite. Went back, played for Dallas this season, our Texas Legends, and just carved it up and took that huge step forward. Yes, by the time you're listening to this show, you will know whether Kyrie Irving went back to the Mavericks. I will say that he did. I think he probably did, right? So I think that Kyrie is back and Hardy is still going to be in a bench role. But the guys that are there, Tim Hardaway Jr., like Reggie Bullock, do we care? Like Hardy should be, fingers crossed, yeah, look, yeah, the rookies, Omax Prosper and Derek Lively aren't impacting him. Hardy should be able to step in, I would think, I would hope, no Spencer Dinwiddie, of course, and be there like third guard this season. 
He does struggle a little bit with what does he do outside of scoring. I think there is look, yeah, four assists in the G League is not a great number. It's not a terrible number. But he could average five. He could average 25 points at some point in the NBA with five assists. And I think he can shoot well. And I think he's going to have, I think he's going to have some top 50 seasons. I don't know what the price to acquire Jaden Hardy is in a dynasty league at the moment. I would guess it's probably not a top 100 player. And I reckon, look, yes, Kyrie is going to be there. But can we trust what the hell is happening with Kyrie? Or even what's happening with Luca, Or even what's happening with Hardy? Look, things change. Two, three years time, there's no way that Luca, Kyrie, and Hardy are all still on the same team. I'd be stunned if that was the case. And that's what we're banking on for Dynasty. So it might be another season of frustrating minutes where he sits behind players that maybe he shouldn't, or he's at very worst the third guard on this team. That's what we do in Dynasty. You wait on things. It's not about the immediate impact. It's it's about trying to figure out you know, when things happen, where does that player see? The other guy on that team that I'm forgetting is Josh Green, who's an interesting guy, but doesn't anywhere have near the upside that Jaden Hardy does. So you know, I love what he's able to do in the G League. I love what he did in the opportunities he was given when they said, do something with the ball in your hands. And I think, you bait, I don't know what they're going to do in their rotation or in free agency, but you know, is Tim Hardaway at age 31 a guy you want to rely on? Like I would be thinking that 20 minutes a night for Jaden Hardy this season is probably is probably realistic. I hope it's realistic. Fingers crossed it's realistic. Let's go to New Orleans. Really frustrating season for Dyson Daniels, but the thing was, you could see that coming from a mile away. When he was drafted, when we talked Dynasty rookie ranks, I said, I don't know how he's going to actually be in the rotation. CJ McCollum, Jose Alvarado, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Zion, Ingram, Najee Marshall, Valanciunas, Jackson Hayes. Where's he going to play? And that was the case. We didn't really see much Dyson Daniels at all. Much like Jaden Hardy, he played in the G League Ignite the year before, before coming to the NBA. He's only 20. He averaged three points per game. That's not very good. Four points, sorry, to be fair. 11.5% usage, 50 true shooting. Bad numbers, bad numbers. But he also averaged two assists, three rebounds, 0.7 steals. And in those low minutes, in those low minutes that Dyson Daniels was out there, putting up those numbers, along with the pedigree that he has, and some of the numbers he put up as a member of the G League Ignite, the level of defense he showed already as a rookie, and the size that he has, ball handling, wing defender, and he's 20, you shouldn't be writing him off. He played 18 minutes a night. That's it's not a terrible amount. It's not a fantastic amount. But 1.5 steals per 36, almost five assists per 36. Went in to shoot better, clearly 31% from three, and just the usage is insanely low. But CJ McCollum's not going to be around forever. He's already starting to show signs of decline, having a thumb surgery at the moment. In a year's time, like maybe not this season, not 23-24, but 24-25, I would think that David Griffin and the Pelicans would be looking at Daniels. We hope that he has supplanted CJ and he is our starting point guard. And his ability to be a 15, 1.53s, six rebounds, six assists, 1.7 steals player. Think along the lines, I know it's an easy comparison because they're Australian, of Josh Giddy. He's not the passer that Josh Giddy is, nowhere near it. All right, so remove that comparison, but he's also a much better defender than Josh Giddy is. And he's probably got equal ability to be able to shoot. And we see big steps forward from players from year one to year two. And getting in on that ground floor for a guy that barely played, struggled with his shot, never shot the ball, 11 usage. Now, when in two years time, he's 22, 
He's the starting point guard, maybe on an NBA team, playing 33 minutes a night, running 17 usage, going 14-5-5 and with two steals. It's not going to happen. Like, it's not a guarantee that it's going to happen. But I still like the potential of him. High picks like Daniel's top 10 pick who struggled to show things for very obvious reasons. It was it was obvious at the time that Daniel's just wasn't going to get the opportunities. And that all played out. And to me, he's on the exact same path I thought, thought he would have been pre-draft, also post-draft preseason. But then he also showed a better defensive ability than I thought. That That's a positive to me. And getting into that mindset, it can be hard to do at times. This one is a little bit different because he's not young. He wasn't drafted. He has never played in the NBA before. His name is Sasha Vezenkov, a player who should be, at the time of you listen to this, should have already agreed to a contract with the Sacramento Kings who hold his rights, his hold his draft rights. I don't know what that contract will be. The talk is that maybe it's over the mid-level. He's a forward. And if Harrison Barnes isn't there, and I don't know if they get Draymond or Kuzma, I don't know what's happening. But when they're relying upon guys who I do like, Kessler Edwards and Casey Okpala and Chinna Maniki, there's a clear role. He played for Olympiakos last season over in Greece, but I've only included his EuroLeague numbers. I can look, I can put his Greek League numbers up if you want, but I'm only looking at his EuroLeague numbers, which is that top league outside the NBA in the world. It's the Champions League of basketball. It's all the best teams across all of the leagues in Europe playing against each other. In the EuroLeague, he played 40 games. He played 29 minutes a game. He averaged 18, or almost 18 points, 1.73s, seven boards, a steal, had a 65% true shooting, 25 usage. He hit um, yeah, two threes per game at 38% shooting. So... He is a six foot seven, six foot nine, sorry, power forward, whose yeah, rim protection numbers aren't great. Pretty common for European uh, forwards like that. But he can rebound, he can score, he can create his own shot. He's just a useful, useful player. And I don't know how many people in your dynasty league will be all that in on him. Now, the other guy that's going to come across from uh, Europe is Vasily Micic, who I think is a very good player, but he's 30. So even if he does come across the NBA this season, he's already past his prime. Vezenkov comes over a little bit older than, say, a Bogdan Bogdanovic when he came over, but probably like a slightly taller version of what Bogdanovic was. Bogdanovic a better passer, uh, Vezenkov a better rebounder, but a similar sort of a player who can come in at the absolute peak and prime in their career and be a top-level reserve fill-in starter, starter on a bad team who probably has a couple of top 150 seasons, maybe a top 120. Really like him and as a guy that does fly under the radar. Although, you know, we might hear the announcement of him signing by the time you've watched this and then he does jump onto other people's radars a little bit more. But I'm pretty sure he's coming across. He's a very strong player over in Europe and I do think he can be. His game is uh, NBA suited, I think. Let's go to Philadelphia and let's talk about the package, Jaden Springer. The package! He's insanely young. He's played two years in the NBA. He's 20. Like, he was one of the youngest players in the draft. And that's often a good way to value or to get some underrated guys. Look, he was picked two years ago out of Tennessee. Very raw player. Very springy. Sorry for the pun. But very athletic, very bouncy uh, but had real problems with his shot and has struggled. Like he played 16 games, five minutes a game this season. Last season, he played three minutes in two games. Like that's nothing. He, we've got no NBA experience to look at with him really, except 
except he came in second last game of the regular season, played 34 minutes, had 19, 2, and 3 with a steal and a block on 62% shooting. It's one game. Absolutely, it's one game. But he had been flashing these numbers. I think he was G League Finals MVP as well. He played in the G League, 18 points, 62 true shooting, 24 usage, 2.3 steals, and 0.9 blocks. I know it's the G League. Those numbers can translate. And part of the appeal for him for Dynasty when he came in as a rookie was elite defensive type stuff. I don't know whether he's a point guard or whether he is a shooting guard or whether he's a guard or whatever he is. He's six foot four. He is strong. He's athletic. He has worked on his game. He's still not perfect, obviously. And the Sixers team, I don't know whether they've got James Harden on them at the moment. There's still Shake Milton, Anthony Melton, Tyrese Maxey. All those guys are still there, yes. But Springer played 30 minutes a night in the G League, or 29 minutes a night in the G League. He played 28 minutes in the G League last season. He took his three-point shooting up to 32%. He hit 79% of his free throws. He stole the ball like a maniac. He had a pretty strong net rating as well in the G League, really good true shooting. Stepped himself up to be where if they do let go of Shake Milton, which I think they probably will, I'd expect that Springer can push for a rotation role. And at age 20, he's like eight years younger than De'Anthony Melton. This is a future De'Anthony Melton type player, I believe. Melton's not 28, sorry, he's like 25. My bad. But regardless if Springer is in Philly or he's on another team or they're trading guys away and Maxi goes and Lillard comes in, I don't know. That might have happened already. Don't know. But Springer is just someone who his NBA stats would tell you he's useless, but I'll tell you that he's young. And he did take some big steps forward last season. And I think the year is coming where he's at least least a rotation player. And that's what this show's about. Finding some random players who have had no impact that we can maybe target at a cheaper price before it goes up. Let's go to Minnesota. Josh Minot. Did he even play in the NBA? He did, but... We didn't see anything from him. Second-year guy who was a second-round pick a year ago, coming out of Memphis, um, played for the Timberwolves, as as I said. He played six minutes a game in 15 games. That really doesn't tell us anything. When he came in, a lot of his statistical profile stuff looked a lot like Jared Vanderbilt, with probably a little bit more offensive upside. Not as good of a defender as Vanderbilt, but the same sort of player. He played 32 minutes a night in the G League and averaged 19 points with eight rebounds. He hit a three. He had 1.5 blocks. He had a steal a game, two and a half assists, 63 true shooting, 23 usage as a 20-year-old. It's a hard path for the Wolves. Kyle Anderson is there. They've just re-signed Nasri, Towns, Gobert, all of that stuff. But again, we're talking what happens in two years when he's 22 and Anderson's 31 or 30. I think he's 31 by then. Towns might have been traded. Who knows? But Minot flashed plenty where they've also just, they have, as me recording this, they declined Torian Prince's team option and Minot basically can take Prince's minutes. I think he's got a sneaky shot at one to two top 100 fantasy seasons because he can he can score a bit in the shooting, I don't know, but rebounds, some assists, out of position assists, steals and blocks. Again, think Jared Vanderbilt with more offensive upside the chances of hitting what Vanderbilt currently is is probably 30%. But if he if he does get there, I think he can be a better player. I think he can be a better player. 
He's quite an interesting guy who's quite aggressive rebounding, very good defender, very strong, hustly sort of a guy. And we saw some definite offensive improvement flashes from him in the G League. The next guy that I'm going to talk about, actually the last guy I'm going to talk about in detail, is Kobe White. And you, I left him to last because by the time you're watching this, you will know what's happened with Kobe White in free agency. And you know what the Bulls have done. Obviously, Lonzo is not going to play for them this season. They've got Dasumu and they've got White, both as restricted free agents. Kobe White is 23, top 10 draft pick, struggled last season. Had an opportunity to start a couple of years ago, fell away. Um, but I thought regained a lot of his value last season. He only averaged 10 points. 1.73s, but 58 true shooting, 18 usage, three assists, 0.7 steals in a backup role. I thought he was clearly better than Dasumu, clearly better than Goran Dragic. Um, yeah, Caruso, different player. But if I'm a young team, and this might have happened, who's struggling with their point guard situation, I'd be making inquiries about Kobe White. I think he can turn into maybe not a good point guard, but I'm always going to use this bloke's name, like Jeff Teague. You, can you get to the level of Jeff Teague as a starting NBA point guard for three or four seasons? And I think White can. I don't know that he's actually a point guard or if he's a shooting guard or whatever. He's a combo guard. You compare him to the hype that like an Emmanuel quickly gets. I think he can be a player that what quickly currently is. And I think quickly's yeah, obviously been very good. I wouldn't be shocked if White can get to that level or even exceed quickly in the next three to four years. And... The free agency stuff will impact things here, whether he is brought back to the Bulls or what they do with DeSumo or do they let him walk. And if, you know, some reason, some team signs him to an office sheet, San Antonio, and he takes it and he's their starting point guard, well, the sleeper category is off because he's going to go really big, I think, there. But at this point, he's just someone to watch who was a little bit under the radar last season after being a top 10 pick and disappointing, but I thought worked his way back in and outplayed a lot of guys and was probably pretty sneaky good for the Bulls. Just someone to watch. Got four other names I want to pay attention to. Kessler Edwards, who the Kings did just pick up the team option on him today. 22 years of age, switchy wing who I think can shoot a little bit. We're a fair way off him being an impact guy, but just someone to watch. And his teammate, Terrence Davis, who I don't think the Kings are going to bring back. Davis can be a player who maybe has one top 100 season. It's got to be the right scenario for him, but a name that I'm watching. Ryan Rollins traded across to the Wizards as part of the Chris Paul deal from the Warriors. Early second round pick last season, barely played, broken foot. And he's probably not going to play a huge amount this season. He's playing uh, behind uh, Jordan Poole. He's playing with Dylan Wright, Monte Morris, Tyus Jones, Corey Kispert, Johnny Davis. There's a lot of guys there, a lot. And they're not all going to be there, though. This team is tearing down. It is rebuilding. And this front office, whether it was just a throw-in or they wanted him, he's there. They didn't pick or they didn't sign Wright. They didn't sign Morris. They didn't sign Davis. They didn't or they didn't draft Davis. They didn't draft Kispert. They did acquire Rollins. In 19 G League games last season, Ryan Rollins scored 19 points. He hit 36% of his threes on almost five attempts. He averaged almost four assists with a steal per game. He had a true shooting of 62%. He's a very good pick-and-roll guy. I'm not saying that he's got a better future than like Tyus Jones on this team, but he can maybe play next to Jordan Poole. And I, he's not going to probably play enough this season for it to um, jump his value that much. And the last guy I want to watch is an undrafted guy for the Miami Heat from last year who had some interesting games in the uh, preseason, but it's Jamal Kane. He's like a 3-4 sort of a player. Um, and I don't know what happens with Struess and Vincent and the future of Caleb Martin and Haywood Highsmith and those sort of guys. 
Kane in 33 minutes in the G last year averaged 20 points, 36% from three on three and a half or four attempts per game. Eight rebounds, two assists, 1.3 steals. He's like a 6'6 forward, almost like a Javante Green, sort of a smaller guy who plays up as a power forward but can actually shoot. I think that he will have a year where he is at least a top 150 player. I think he's the next guy in that heat pipeline of the Robinsons, Struces, Vincents. Caleb Martin's not really a heat pipeline guy. He's from the Hornets. But I think Kane is that next guy. And it might be as early as this season that things start to pop for him. I was going to include Patrick Baldwin Jr. in here as well, who went across to the Wizards too. Not quite as high on him as Amon Rollins, but a six foot ten guy that can shoot. Be a little bit interested. And that will do it for me today. Apologize if stuff here is out of date. I hope you guys are enjoying Summer League, um, and I hope you guys are enjoying whatever's happening in your life at the moment. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.